We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. I think one of the biggest things is teachers want to feel appreciated and they want to grow in their profession. You know, people go into education because they love learning and they're wanting to learn at any age. And, you know, having a leader see that in somebody or see something in them and be like, hey, you know, you seem to really know a lot about this. Would you be willing to present this information to the staff or to a team or whoever, you know, and giving teachers that opportunity to support and teach and grow? Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Jessica Giuliano started her career in education as a paraprofessional for an at-risk student. She received her teaching certification from the University of St. Joseph's and a master's in education at the University of New Haven. Jessica also received her six-year administrative certification in administrative leadership at UConn. She taught fifth grade for one year in Cromwell, Connecticut, before making the move to CREC, where Jessica is a grade six English language arts teacher at the Greater Hartford Academy of the Arts Middle Magnet School, as well as this grade six team leader. During her time at CREC, Jessica has run their summer academy and Saturday academy programs, planned and presented district and building-based professional development, is a member of her school's leadership team, and a member of the district-wide professional development and teacher evaluation committee. I am pretty excited about what we're going to hear from Jessica today because she has, as you can tell, a laundry list of things she's involved in around professional development and clearly how to help leaders support, engage, and empower teachers to a greater degree. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So with all these things, like I mentioned, that I just went through, what is it that you love about being a school teacher? I would say that 
the most important thing to me that I love the most is the kids. I love being around the kids, talking with them. I love seeing their faces, the moments that they finally get something, that light bulb moment when they, you know, they're struggling, they're struggling, and then they get it. Their humor. Kids are hilarious. The things that they say are, they make me laugh every day, just being around them. Keeps you, it keeps you excited about being there every day. Definitely. Definitely. So while you're thinking about how funny the students are and uh, the different things every day, what would you consider one of your best accomplishments as a teacher? Um, I would say one of my best accomplishments was I had this one student who came back to my class a couple of years ago. And um, right now I have the pleasure of our middle school is kind of attached to our high school. So Um, I get to see a lot of my past students in the hallways and things like that, which is really nice. Um, But this student made it a point of coming back up into my classroom just to visit me. And uh, she was a student who I worked really closely with um, more because it was a student who needed some extra support and guidance. So her and I often either worked one-on-one or we worked in a small group where I could provide her that extra support and intervention that she needed. She was always one of my students where... I definitely wasn't sure what she was understanding and how much she was kind of grasping. And one of those, you know, oh, I wish I could, you know, be there with her each year and and give her that support to help her move on. And, you know, the ones that you think about a lot that you worry about how, you know, where they're going to go to and and you hope that they make those good choices to get them where they need to be. So um, when she came back, I was definitely pleasantly surprised and I remember she turned to my class and she said, you know, you better treat Mrs. Giuliano right. She, you know, she's going to be one of the best teachers that you've ever had. And you're going to think that her class is hard, but she's really going to teach you the strategies that you need that are really going to help you in high school. And high school is hard and no joke. So when when she tells you that it's just going to get harder from here, you better listen. (laughs) And, um, you know, I just really, it almost brought like a tear to my eye because I thought to myself, wow, you know, she really did hear me. She really did understand what I was saying. And she took that with her. That's, that's a great story. And you don't get better advertisement than their peers, right? Because students don't care what adult, what adults say. Right, exactly. I could tell them, you know, every day, you know, it's just going to get harder. You know, I'm teaching these skills to help you. And, you know, but when you hear it, when they hear it from their peer or from somebody else, it definitely makes a difference. That's cool. It almost it speaks to the idea of legacy, right? And what you want to be remembered for or, or the big picture, what you want people to leave with after they interact with you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came to mind while you were telling me that is what would make you go back to visit a leader you've had? It's a great question. So I have had some pretty great leaders, but I've also had some pretty not so great leaders, Um, (laughs) you know, getting to where I am. And I think I would like to go back and visit previous leaders who, in my opinion, I felt didn't really support their teachers and just kind of talk to them about, you know, what I really needed from them and what suggestions that I could offer them that, you know, that I've come into contact with with leaders who have been supportive, things that that they gave me or allowed me to do or mentored me in, and that really helped to support me. Um, and hopefully they would take my suggestions, but <laughs> so that, you know, you never know. <laughs> you never you can never tell. That really makes me think. So I would have never su- thought you would have given me that answer. The idea that you would want to go back and visit 
the leaders that were, I guess, subpar or less than stellar, in your opinion. I would always think you'd want to go back and visit the leaders that were really good to make that connection. But instead, you'd like to go back and help them out. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, I know a lot of teachers who left the profession and it's never because of the kids, but it's because of, you know, they clashed with a leader, you know, they felt like they were being treated poorly or they didn't like the culture or the climate of the schools. And, you know, we need, we need teachers, we need good teachers. And these were people who would, who would have been good teachers. And it, it makes me sad that, you know, people are leaving for these types of things when, when something like that can be avoided. I, I would have never thought about something like that. That's, that's fantastic. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad you're on the podcast because (laughs) it's about giving voice to teachers so they can tell leaders this stuff. I mean, the leader that I have right now is amazing. So, you know, and I tell him that all the time. So maybe that's why I go back to. (laughs) I would agree with you. And of course, I'm the most objective person. I I mentioned in in a previous podcast that I did with another teacher from that school that I played high school football with your current leader, Bo. Oh, Ryan, but, uh, and a, and a great guy, but of course yes. I'm, I'm 100% objective. Uh, so <laughs> not no, at all biased, <laughs> not at all biased, but he does a really good job. Yes. So the flip side of that, and, and especially along those lines, the idea that I'm, I'm still just fascinated by the idea that you would go back to try and help out and spread the word. What's a time you didn't do well as a teacher and specifically like what could a, could a leader have done? to help you either not run into that situation or help you out of that situation? So when I was first starting out, you know, this young 20 something year old didn't, you know, didn't really know what I was getting into here. (laughs) Um, I think what's really hard and especially in um, most of my career, I've always worked with um, inner city and diversity. You know, even when I had started out in Cromwell, I still was, was always working with choice students um, who were, Uh, bust in from Hartford. And I think you have to think about the demographics of where your students are coming from and to understand your students and to meet them where they are. And one of the biggest things I've always had is when you're dealing in dealing with a behaviorally challenged student and now behaviorally challenged students can come, you know, no matter what kind of demographic they're coming from, you know, uh, teachers, I think can all agree that they've, they've had a bunch of students who have over the years have given them a little run for their money, as we like to call it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point to bring out that it doesn't necessarily matter demographics. But in working with this student, um, I had a leader who wasn't really in support of having that program. And now I've worked with in different schools with different programs and things like that, where it was the same type of thing. So it was when I was first starting out and, um, and it was really behaviorally challenged student and As a young, you know, 20 something year old, when this student is personally attacking me verbally, not physically, it was very hard for me not to take what that student was saying personally, not to take it as a personal attack, you know, because as, as a, as a human being in our instinct, when somebody is saying something to you and about you, we take it personally, you know, it's, but with kids, especially at the middle school age, it's, it's more about not what they're saying, but why they're saying it. You know, how, how did we get to this situation? What were the triggers? You know, how did the student get to the point where they're now screaming? And I think that, you know, it took me a long time and a lot of 
a trial and error and experience to realize that you have to sit back and think about, okay, you know, what, what went wrong here? What, how did we go from zero to a hundred, you know, instead of just focusing on that 100 and this, you know, they said this to me and this to me and this to me, but, but why, why are they saying that, you know, because kids struggle with so many emotions and most of the time it's about something else that's going on behind the scenes at home, outside of school, or something that has happened in the past and it has nothing to do with you, but you're there right now and you're getting the brunt of whatever it is. And at this point, they're going to say whatever they can to get you to stop talking to them and to get you away. And if that's attacking you or your personal character, then that's what they're going to do. But that's not necessarily what they mean. So I, I wish that somebody would have talked to me and said, you know, you can't take it so personally. You have to think about the whole child, where they're coming from, you know, point A to point B. How did, how did we get there? You know, what did I say? Maybe I said a trigger word or, you know, sometimes it could be you said something to them that somebody in their past used to say to them all the time. You know, it's, you just don't know. And with kids, you know, sometimes they don't even know. They don't know why they, you know, went there or why they started to freak out. Yeah. You know, I always found it amazing that we're not supposed to take things personal. Mm-hmm. which is difficult for us to do. But as we're taking things personal and we're the adults, right? Mm-hmm. We're telling the kids that they have to stop personalizing things. We're asking them to do the exact same behavior that we're having trouble managing yep. ourselves. And it just really sets up a bad situation for everybody involved, the students, the teachers. Yep. Because like you said, typically it isn't about the teacher. It isn't about right. even that situation. And it's... I laugh at all the the different pictures and memes and stuff like that that come out about how tough we had it when we were younger and growing up. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I yeah, I, I rode a bike without a helmet. I drank from the hose, right. all those things. Right. And and I'm here to tell you, I would not want to grow up in these times. No, me either. There's just between between home lives and between what stu- students are exposed to at such an mm-hmm. early age. And then what they're open to with social media and all that, I just, mm-hmm. it, it's so difficult to grow up as a kid these days. I agree 100%. But, and I, I think, you know, just to highlight something you said about the, the leadership piece, leaders really have to be in tune to teachers taking things personal instead of just expecting certain robotic type answers or mm-hmm. reactions to things and, and maybe get their hands dirty and dig in with the teachers. Right. Absolutely. They need, teachers need to feel that support too, you know, that you're there doing the work with them, you know. Right. Right. And that's, that's an important thing to, to show as a leader, because if, if leaders aren't next to the teacher getting their hands dirty, so to speak, or rolling up their sleeves, there's that trust piece that isn't built or even lost. Um, based on decisions made. So along those lines, because, you know, you talk about the idea of support and it's important for teachers to feel supported. What do you think the most important thing is that a leader can do to help a teacher be successful? I think one of the most important things that a leader can do is to empower their teachers and to to give them opportunities to professionally develop themselves, but also to um, shine a light on their expertise areas and allow teachers to give professional development or to support other teachers, especially in an area that they might excel in. 
um, or to give teachers a chance to become an expert in an area so that they can present it to others. I think one of the biggest things is teachers want to feel appreciated and they want to grow in their profession. You know, people go into education because they love learning and they're wanting to learn at any age. And, you know, having a leader see that in somebody or see something in them and be like, hey, you know, you seem to really know a lot about this. Would you would you be willing to present this information to the staff or to a team or or whoever, you know, and giving teachers that that opportunity to to support and teach and grow. Now you, you gave a great example about how to give teachers that opportunity to support and teach and grow by basically tapping them to come forward mm-hmm. and teach about something that they're good at. There is a piece of empowerment to that, but do you have any other examples that leaders could benefit from as ways to engage or empower teachers? I would say more, so to really help empower teachers, I think teachers really need to feel that, you know, they're accepted, that they're accepted, not just because they're a teacher and they were assigned to that school, whether it was, you know, that leader hired them or they were already in that school when that, that leader came. But But teachers need to feel like their whole selves are accepted. You know, we're asked to think about the whole child. Teachers really need to feel celebrated for their diversity too. So, you know, having some sort of like an equity team or a diversity team to celebrate the differences and to help talk about, you know, we're asked to talk about these things with students. We should be asked to talk talk about these things as adults as well. You know, they don't, these issues don't just go away when you get older they're still there. You just, a lot of times, well, we hope that you have better tools to kind of deal with them a little bit better or communicate them a little bit more. But I think that's really important too, is, is letting your teachers know that you, you know, you care about them as a whole human being. I'm going to ask you about it again, because I think you just hit on something brilliant, or at least to me. Um, And often we talk about what's ordinary to you might be extraordinary to somebody else. An equity team for staff Now, are you talking about an equity team for staff to make sure that diversity is being celebrated among staff or students? Because we always talk about equity for students, right? And celebrating diversity in students. I would say both because I think they go hand in hand. You know, if we're asking students to celebrate these things, then staff should be asked to participate in and take part in it too. So, you know, at our school right now, we have an equity team this year. So for example, we're in March, which is, you know, women's history. So um, students were asked to, you know, be involved in and create sort of like um, bulletin boards or presentations or something to celebrate women and staff were also asked to participate in it as well. Um, We did the same thing in February for Black History Month and so on and so forth in in the other months as well. So I think it's important, you know, the students are seeing that, wow, we're doing this, but the staff is also doing this too. That is so good as modeling. And it must bring up conversations of equity. So if you don't have a diverse staff and then say you're doing something for Black History Month, it's got to give rise to questions about why don't we have a more diverse staff? I agree 100%. Um, I think that's a big... That's a big issue in a lot of schools, you know, the stereotypical teacher is a white female, you know, you don't even, you know, and then the next up would be a white male, but we, what we need, what schools need are students need to see themselves in their, in their teachers. They need to, to see somebody that they can connect with and communicate with. 
Um, CREC does a really good job of, that's the district I work for, of really hiring diverse staff and teachers for students to connect with, which I think is really important. That is, you know, your whole idea of acceptance and what you're talking about, it's so important to look in on ourselves too. And mm-hmm. as what we're doing as a as a faculty and, and just giving some of the things you just gave are really important to think about doing. You know, I, I think about what's going on with COVID um, mm-hmm. in classrooms and, and our school has been streaming instruction since mm-hmm. September. So we do the um, simultaneous streaming of class. So the kids get a live stream. Teachers teach to up to 15 kids on their computer while they're teaching at the same time, the 15 kids are up to 15 kids in the classroom. Yep, that we've been doing the same. Right, and so you're here to tell everybody listening to this podcast, it's exhausting. <laughs> um, and so there's there's all these things going on and now it's a different type of lesson planning. So teachers have to plan different. They mm-hmm. still have to do all the grading. They still have to give all the feedback. Mm-hmm. And what we were finding that somebody at our leadership team said at one of my leadership team meetings said, the idea that, they're actually finding out more about their colleagues now because before something could happen at home with a colleague, no big deal. They compartmentalize, they come to work and they leave that part of their whole person to get back to what you're talking about, the whole person at home. And so Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily show that to their colleagues because they can get through the day with something that they've been doing for six years and we call it leakage. Now they can't do that Mm -hmm. because they're tired, they're overloaded And so it's become more difficult to actually work with that acceptance of the whole person now because the person that they've been working next door to for four, five, 10 years is not necessarily the person they thought they knew. So that's really, that's really important that you mentioned those acceptance teams. Absolutely. But right there, I want to pause for a second, um, hear from some of our sponsors, and then come back and talk a little bit more about looking at the whole person and that acceptance piece that you mentioned, because I think it's worth digging in on. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Jessica and um, we were talking about the idea of these teams looking at the whole person, not just for students, but for teachers, which is why I think it's really important for leaders to grab onto that idea of an equity team that you mentioned. I think that's really important because I think it'll raise questions that we can reflect on as far as how we move forward with our practice as leaders to better support, engage, and empower teachers through some important discussions. So 
as a teacher and for for other teachers that listen to this podcast, what are you know when you reflect, it's it's not as easy as everybody says because sometimes we talk about strategies, questions, uh, routines. Can you give us any of those? Um, you know, whether they're questions or routines or strategies for reflection. Sure. So I am a team mentor and cooperating teacher as well. So for Connecticut in team, that's the teacher program kind of like what best used to be where new teachers are reflective on their practice um, and they have to you know go through a series of modules and as well as I've been a cooperating teacher or am currently too as well for student teachers and one of the biggest things that I tell them you know or ask them or things that they should ask themselves and they're also things that I ask myself daily as well is were my students excited to be in this class and if not why and how can I make them excited? You know, I hear a lot of, you know, the pushback that you get from teachers are, you know, I'm not a circus performer and, you know, I'm not in theater. You know, my job is to, is to teach. And yes, that is your job, but you're working with kids. And we all know that kids have very short attention spans. Um, in fact, adults have very short attention spans yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, how are you going to get them excited? If they were excited, that's great. What did you do that, you know, that made them excited? And, you know, I, a lot of it is it's it's not usually the content. I mean, yeah, you know, in science, you know, we had a really cool experiment that day, which is really cool. But, you know, the answer isn't usually going to be about the content. It's going to be about you, your, the teacher, your behavior, your actions, what you said, what you did, you know, whatever routine or, or, or something that you do that the kids look forward to. And I think that's important because as teachers, especially new teachers starting out, you know, you're so focused on like content, 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 but a lot of it is, is management and managing behaviors and getting comfortable into the classroom. And by getting students excited to be in your class, you know, that's really going to cut back on a lot of management issues. If, if students want to be in your class, then they're, they're not going to give you a tough time or they're, you know, the lower, <laughs> right, right. The, the toughness that they're going to give you. <laughs> yeah, They'll go a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because I don't know if you've ever heard of Dade Burgess or his Teach Like a Pirate book. Yes, actually, that was one of our uh, books that Mr. Ryan had given us for teacher professional development. So each year, he we're very lucky where he gives us a book and that's kind of like we do book studies throughout the year and that that was one of the books that he had given us. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent book. And the P in pirate stands for passion. And you saying, you know, getting people excited to come into your classroom, That's that has to do with passion. And he says in the book, he talks about if students didn't have to go to your class, would they still come? Right. Or could you sell tickets to your class? Right. So that's interesting. His wife later then wrote Lead Like a Pirate, co-authored it with Beth Hoff. So no, those those are good. I'm going to ask you to, to stretch a little bit here. So you're talking about, and clearly you've got plenty of expertise in this area as a cooperating teacher for the mentor and student teaching program. If you were to blow this up for leaders listening to this show and just switched out a couple of words where you say, were my students excited to be in my class today? What if leaders looked at that and said, were my teachers excited to be in school today? What are some of the things leaders could do to get teachers excited to be in their school? Because I agree, you know, sometimes leaders get, get together and I don't think I'm telling any trade secrets here, but sometimes they commiserate about 
the teachers are giving me a hard time, kind of like you talk about students giving you a hard time. And if if you make it a place where teachers want to be, lo and behold, much like students, they're not really going to give you that hard of a time. So do you have any ideas about what leaders could do to make teachers more excited? I think, you know, some of it can start off even as simple as, you know, listening to teachers. You know, we ask our we ask our teachers to listen to our students and, you know, if there's an issue going on to really get to the bottom of it. You know, leaders should be doing the same for their teachers. Teachers are human beings and they have personal lives and things outside of school. So if you are, you know, I'm not asking you to, you know, sit and be a therapist and listen to this, you know, teachers go on and on, but if you can develop that level of trust and communication with your staff and with your teachers, where teachers feel comfortable coming in and saying, you know, this to you then and feeling supported. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is if teachers are going to come in and, and say something to you and feel supportive over it, you know, that that says a lot that that takes you a long way. You know, whether it's somebody who is going through a tough loss or a divorce or, you know, a miscarriage or a birth or an adoption or there's so many big moments and, you know, people are doing so many things, but to feel supported by their leaders and to listen, you know, that's a huge step in getting teachers excited to be there and just feeling like, you know, you're you're a human being. Or if there's a, a home issue or a personal issue going on, you know, emergencies pop up. And if a, if a staff member, you know, is like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, my kid is sick and, you know, what do I do? And, and you know, I've heard of some of my teacher friends that I know who are like, yeah, my, you know, my principals, like they just, you know, they give me a hard time about it. They won't let me leave. You know, that's very stressful. And if you're feeling stressed, you know, and then somebody's waking up saying like, oh gosh, what if my kid gets sick today and I have to leave work and I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to get written up or docked for that, you know, that starts to create that tension. And then teachers aren't going to want to be there. Greeting teachers, knowing your staff members' names. I've been in schools where leaders haven't known, you know, especially like in big schools, high schools or whatever, where you have a lot of staff where, where not all leaders have known their their staff members' names or, you know, greeting them or, or taking a, a minute to, to ask them personal questions or get to know something about them, you know, kids or anything outside of their life was a sport that they like. You know, we ask our teachers to do this for our students, build relationships. Relationships are a huge way to connect with your students. Well, relationships are a huge way to connect with your staff as well. You spend the majority of your life with these people at work. You should know something about them. You know, you don't have to be, just like I tell my kids, you don't have to be friends with everybody, but you do have to respect everybody. And, you know, getting to know somebody, um, I think is really important. It's, it's a way to get staff members excited about wanting to come to work because they feel supported and appreciated. It sounds simple, but you'd be surprised at, you know, some teachers who just don't feel like they belong, like they fit here. They feel like outcasts in, you know, in their careers or or where they are. And I couldn't imagine feeling like this, especially now too, during COVID where everything is so isolated to then feel like that on top of it. You know, I can't imagine how that must feel for some people. That is a powerful piece of basically what you were saying before the whole teacher. 
So that's really important for, for leaders to hear. We're getting to the end, but I, I love asking two questions of everybody that comes on this uh, podcast. If you were not a teacher, who, not what, would you be and why? Uh, so who would I be? Not what, so not the occupation is what you're saying. You could start with an occupation and tell me why. All right. Some so. occupations have different types of people, but. Uh, okay. <laughs> Am I not the typical teacher? I'm, I need to know the full direction and right. all the. <laughs> yeah. I'm not here to sweat you. Don't worry. <laughs> I definitely, and it's actually something that I had contemplated um, going to school for too, but I just, I love to talk to people. I'm definitely a very much an extrovert and a social person. So, you know, even just being like a therapist and I love to help people and and support them and, you know, having people find the best versions of themselves. Um, I love to do it with my students and staff members now. So I feel like if I wasn't a teacher and maybe like going down the route of like a therapist or social worker or some somewhere where I could work to help people communicate and find the best versions of themselves. So you are clearly through and through all about the whole person. And people yes. belonging. Yes. Or having that sense you know, of I, I kind of look at it like how would I want somebody to see me? Or how would I, you know, how do I want to treat people? You know, like that. I know it sounds silly, but like the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. I really do look at it that way. I think about, you know, now that I'm, I'm a mom too, I have two boys, um, a four-year-old and a 10-month-old. Good and, for you. Good luck. Um, thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Mine are 14 and 12, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, so I think about, you know, how do I want their teachers to treat them? You know, you have somebody's child in your class. You have yeah. somebody's child as your staff member, you know? It's that whole, you know, how would you want your child in that situation to be treated? How would you want to be treated if you were in that situation? You know, it's funny because... When you talk about how you would want to be treated, and I don't, I don't think it's cliche or anything like that, and that you have somebody's child in front of you, it reminded me of two things. That when we have what we call freshman first night, which is we bring all the freshmen in early before the year starts, and I'm talking to them and telling the parents that your kids are going to fail at certain aspects of what they do. Expect that right now. It's a whole different level that they're going to, but know that we're here to support them. So they're going to fall down. And then we're going to support mm-hmm. them and, and help them back up. What we're asking you to do is to trust us to do that and mm-hmm. not jump in for them. And I preface that by saying, look, I get it. We have your most prized possession in front of us. The thing you love more than anything in the world. And it's difficult. So the idea of attaching it to yourself, and that comes around to an idea that was not mine. I'd love to take credit for it, but it's not mine. It's from Jimmy Casas. And I did it after he made the suggestion and said how he did it is I challenge all leaders out there to do this. Pick a teacher in your school that's doing well or one that you've had a a good interaction with recently and call their parents, much like teachers call students' parents, Mm -hmm. just to say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, I just want to let you know how awesome your whoever is doing. And I tried that and I was, I was super nervous when I tried it the first time mm-hmm. but to hear the joy in the parent's voice because they just liked hearing something nice about their kid. We tend to forget that everybody's still somebody's son or daughter. So thank you for that. That was, that was good. The last one, you ready for the last one? I'm ready. This is where you 
drop incredible amounts of wisdom on everybody listening to the podcast. Oh boy. All right. No, Let's no hear pressure. It. Okay. <laughs> the most important piece of advice you would give to teachers, but more importantly, leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower those they work with. It, it sounds simple, but it just remember, you know, everybody is a human being. Everybody has feelings. Everybody is going through something that, that you may not know. And you might be upset with something that they did or something that they said. But you just remember that, you know, everyone's a human being. We're not, you know, we're not robots. Teachers aren't robots. Kids aren't robots. You know, one of my biggest things as a teacher that I try to do, you know, if there if there's a heated moment with a student, you know, you you don't you're not addressing what just happened at that moment because you're not going to you're not going to get anywhere with it. You know, you're heated. The students heated, you know, take a step away, take some time away, take a day away. You know, as a leader, you do need to do the same thing. If you had a difficult interaction with a staff member or a difficult you know, conversation and you need time to cool down. The staff member needs time to cool down. You know, we talk a lot about power struggles with our students, you know, don't ever get into a power struggle with a student. It, it should be the same thing with the, with the staff member. You know, you're not here to, you know, authoritate your power over them. It's, it's more about, you know, appreciating them and treating them as, as a human being. I would say that would be my biggest thing. Awesome. Awesome advice. I told you that you would be giving all kinds of wisdom out. So <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you in any way, because you did a lot of talking about topics that could be expanded on dealing with, you know, not just the whole child, but the whole person, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach out to you? I would say my email, my Twitter. I have a professional Twitter handle too that, you know, we could share or definitely through email. Email is the way I'm most accessible during the day. J-E Giuliano, G-I-U-L-I-A-N-O at crec.org. And crec is C-R-E-C for those. Yes. Yes. And um, my Twitter is at Giuliano, G-I-U- L-I-A-N-O-E-L-A-6. Awesome. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if some uh, people reached out to you for some further information. Well, thank you. I would look forward to that. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I think there, there are going to be a lot of good things that uh, people get from this. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's a wrap. But not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. 
Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.